What is going on, you guys? My name is Justin, but you can call me Jay Swag. And welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Appreciate you guys stopping by, hanging out, giving a listen. Um, I have a hair in my mouth. That was weird. Um, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, we are here. We are live. We are doing the dang thing. Um... Yeah, episode 77, another week in quarantine, another week without uh, basically any sports, but uh, that's not going to stop us from talking sports and uh, trying to find stuff to talk about with sports, and uh, today was a fairly eventful day in one sport, and I'll get to that uh, eventually, but um, yeah, it's been, I think, two weeks was the last episode I did. Took the week off last week, just didn't really have much to talk about and just wasn't feeling it, Um, you know, and I never want to experience any kind of burnout or anything with this, Uh, so if I'm not feeling it, I won't do it, and again, you know, we're in a pretty pretty big dry spell for for sports here, so again, there's not a whole lot to be talking about to begin with. Um, That being said, I try my best to cover all the, you know, and points like this, just to cover all the news of what's going on in the sports world, because, you know, it is still, they are all still businesses and they're all still trying to salvage their seasons and whatnot. So in regards to that, um, the NBA did, um, They had a horse competition via YouTube, uh, or not YouTube, I think it was technically, it was on ESPN. Um, <clears throat> I want to see, if there's like, news about it, just because um, it happened on Sunday, and from what I heard, it was pretty awful. Um, <clears throat> so let's see here. All right, yeah. Let's bring this up here so we can see it together. And then we'll come over here. We'll do this. All right. So, you can see my uh, lovely garage band here recording the episode for the audio listeners. Um, anyways, NBA horse competition flops in ratings, draws only 686,000 viewers. That's awful. That's like really terrible numbers. Especially because it was a Sunday night at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Like, you got to be getting a lot more viewers than that. Um, they tried a horse competition with. Current NBA players, former NBA players, and current WNBA players. Whatever promise it had never really materialized on the air. 
thanks to choppy smartphone feeds and a general lack in creativity. The ratings reflected this, drawing only 686,000 viewers. Um, it did better numbers-wise than their NBA 2K Players Only tournament, uh, which makes sense because I wasn't expecting a lot of people to turn out on that anyways. Um, <clears throat> the dearth of sports still made horse the second most watched sports broadcast on Sunday. Um, behind only AEW, which makes sense. No, they... Oh, on Sunday. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... One issue, oops. One issue Horse failed to capture was any real fun, unique competition that would drum up ratings through social media interest. The most hardcore NBA fans live on live online, and the first competition between Trey Young and Chauncey Billups featured nothing but basic jump shots and the occasional left-handed free throw. <clears throat> it wasn't until Zach Levine faced Paul Pierce that we saw some level of creativity, but by then, many had made the decision to tune out. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's not even done yet? I thought they had finished it. Interesting. Um, all right, well, I didn't realize that it wasn't done yet. Um, but that being said, so, yeah. <clears throat> Listen, I, I applaud the NBA and Adam Silver and the people involved for trying to, you know, switch up the content, give us, you know, some aspect of live sports content. Um, but like the article said, I believe most, if not everyone, was just shooting their footage from their cell phone. And so, you know, at that point, they're all going to be on like their 4G connection on their phone, which is not going to be high quality at all, live streaming it to, I don't even know where, it feels like on Instagram or something. And then they put that feed onto ESPN. Um, and like I said as well, the creativity just wasn't there. <clears throat> I personally did not watch it live, um, but I did watch a couple highlights and I read some articles about it. And it just seemed like it was a huge flop. It was pretty boring. And like the, like the quality, like the video and audio quality is also just like terrible. Um, so it's just a bummer that it didn't materialize and work out at all. Um, you know, as some might've hoped that it would, I know, I know a lot of people are saying that they should just be re-airing classic games, but like they have been, and those are not getting good numbers. So it's just, if it's not regular live sports, people are showing that they don't really want to watch it. I mean, 686,000 people still tuned in and watched it, but you know, compared to when they're getting millions upon millions of viewers with their live NBA games, you know, that's just not going to bode well. Um, but luckily, none of these leagues are going anywhere. Like, the NBA is not going anywhere. They're not running out of money. Um, but it will be interesting to see, you know, where the regular seasons end up for all these sports. Um, you know, at this point, I know the NFL is just continuing on as usual. Um I believe next week is the NFL draft and they're doing it entirely virtually from home, which will be very weird. Um, <clears throat> you know, just to see 
what that looks like, uh, just like from a production standpoint of what the actual broadcast is going to look like. And then, you know, it's just going to be weird for all the kids in the draft as well of like, you know, having to just do it all from home um, and not be there, you know, live in, you know, the arena with the audience and all that stuff and uh, getting your picture taken and all that stuff. But, you know, they're trying to just carry on. Um, we'll see. Yeah, again, we'll see how it goes because, you know, you're relying on a lot of, you know, the GMs who are pretty exclusively old white men um, trying to set up some sort of a live feed <clears throat> for them making their picks along with Roger Goodell. Um, although I don't even know if they're going to do a live feed of the GMs or if the GMs are still just going to like, how are they going to make their picks? You know, like, are they just going to like text it in or like call it in? Um, Cause I know usually they have like a landline that they call their pick in um, at the actual like arena, but obviously that's not going to be happening this time. So, you know, it'll just, it's just going to be very interesting and weird, but outside of that, you know, they're continuing on just, planning, you know, playing their season out business as usual. Um, and then <clears throat> the MLB has teased, I mean, they've just been throwing the idea out of playing the season out all in Arizona, um, which I don't know if I need to do more research into that and like see if there's more details I'm missing, but that just doesn't make sense to me because it's like, if you're still going to gather all these people in one place and play the games, why not just do them at everyone's home stadiums? Like what's the difference between it being in one place as opposed to all over the place? Because at the end of the day, you know, like the world health organization has said, like at this point, any event, any gathering doesn't even have to be an event. Just like could be friends. Any gathering of more than 10 people is just like, is like really not smart. So <clears throat> anytime there's more than 10 people in in an area, it's not good. And that's when things start to get dicey and you can, you know, spread the virus. And so at this point, if we're saying like, yeah, obviously it makes sense that we're not playing any live sports. Um, but then for it to be like, oh, um, you know, we're going to do it, but it's all going to be in Arizona in the same, like, one, and I don't know if it's in the same stadium or not. Again, I, don't, I need to do more research on it. But even if they do it on, like, three stadiums, um, it's still just, like, you're still gathering all these people together. So that is that is the issue, you know? Like, having fans in attendance or not is really not the main issue because regardless, once you have all the players and staff there and the crew there, that's, you know, well over 100, 150 people. So it just doesn't make sense to me why people and like why the MLB is like, oh, but it'll be okay if we just do it all in one place. Because at this point, almost every state is in a shelter in place, stay at home, lockdown type situation. So you can't leave your home or the state or whatever unless you're an essential business, which sports are not. Um, and so to be able to get to a point where all those people can go to one area being Arizona, we would have to be in a much better state, you know, in a much better position in terms of the coronavirus. 
um, COVID-19. And once we're at that point, we should just be able to continue like business as you, like, I, like, I don't know. It just, I feel like once we get to a place where it's like, all right, you can start traveling again. You can be in big groups. Um, then it's like, you may as well just like go back to business as usual, as opposed to like going back to like going to everyone being in one place. I don't know. It just like, there's a lot of variables, but at the end of the day, it still just doesn't make sense to me why they think playing the season out in Arizona and like, why, like, where did Arizona come from? Is it because it's hot there? Like, I just, I don't really get it. Um, so we'll see where that ends up. We'll see where that goes. That came out like last week and I haven't really heard anything since. Um, and I think the NBA has like tossed that idea around as well, which is just the same reaction for me if I just don't get it. Um, but there have been a bunch of surveys going around too, going out, um, where, fans have been polled and they've said that it would take a couple months after like COVID-19, this whole thing is like over and done with. It would take a couple months after that for them to feel comfortable going back to like a live sporting event, which is makes sense because I would feel the same way. That's just the general apprehension of like, all right, like do we really know for sure that this is good? Like, are we positive that getting, you know, 50,000 people in a stadium together is healthy and smart and safe and okay. Um, so I think a lot of, I think these leagues and these sports need to really take that, you know, to mind and, and plan around that and plan as if like that will be what's happening. Um, because I know that they're going to be like, Oh, there's, you know, there will be diehard fans who are just been waiting for live sports to come back. So they'll come and it's like, yeah, they will. But like, I don't know if you're going to be able to like, sell out your stadiums or like fill them up like you think you would though because if like the vast majority of sports fans in this country that were polled said they wouldn't that means the vast majority of sports fans aren't going to be showing up to your events so i don't know i just think it's you know something that they need to to plan around and you know think you know basically like that is going to be what happens you have to expect that that is what is going to happen not that when the time comes they'll be like oh no never mind like it's fine um so yeah that's another note uh you know little tidbit that's been pretty interesting that will be a nice fun development to watch i guess um i don't really know why i said fun but interesting note to watch you know as as that develops um what else so I'm trying to just like see if there's other anything else I can think of to cover before I just get to the big the big topic for tonight's episode. Um So I don't know if you guys saw the article on my I, on my personal Facebook page. I I shared it the other night. Um But it was the article <clears throat> detailing how on Sunday uh the WWE was officially um, dubbed a essential business, and and those wrestlers were dubbed essential workers, um, which is, in my exact words, in my post, I said this is laughable uh, because it is. It's such a joke. Um, because I am not demeaning professional wrestling at all. Obviously, 
look at me, like the past like eight episodes on this podcast have almost exclusively been about professional wrestling. I love it. I, I still watch it to this day and I support it. Um, but yeah, so I'm not demeaning professional wrestling. What I'm demeaning is the idea that that's essential um, because they are the only sport, literally, to my knowledge, in the entire world, they are the only sport that is still running essentially business as usual. I mean, they're not doing their, you know, live shows in front of fans like touring the country, but they're still doing live shows twice a week with all the superstars and crew members there. Um, I believe over a month ago at this point, February was put into a stay at home uh, state, you know, where uh, I think most people are at that point um, now where it's like, you know, unless you're going to, you know, basically go for a run or a walk or you're going grocery shopping or to like get like medical like supplies, like, you know, if you need medication or something, then like don't leave your house. Um, and so Florida was put into that about a month ago. Um, and so that was going to stop WWE from being able to do their shows. But then they threw $20 million at the, uh, Florida governor's super PAC. And now all of a sudden they're an essential business, an essential service. Um, now part of that is just like ridiculous because it's like, you know, they just basically paid the Florida governor off to let them be an essential service, um, essential business, whatever it's called. Um, and the other part of it is people are like, why are they even trying to do these live shows? It's ridiculous. And I at first was, you know, in the camp where it's just like, this is stupid. Like they're just trying to, you know, it's Vince McMahon trying to make his money any way he can. Like this is dumb. It's really unsafe, um, which it still probably is definitely partially that. But <clears throat> It was revealed, I believe, Monday, um, you know, via multiple wrestling uh, journalists on Twitter, that the WWE's contracts with both the USA Network, um, which larger would be NBC Universal, and with Fox, they're both their TV deals stipulate a certain amount of live. Um, you know, events, live, like, taping, not tapings, but live shows. So, like, they, according to their contracts, are only allowed to, like, pre-tape a certain amount of episodes um, in a year. So, we don't know what that number is. We don't know, like, obviously, like, what that looks like at all. But uh, it seems like that is a play, a big factor in them now going back to doing live shows again. Um, so I think in hindsight, I think they should have tried to like, when they are filming WrestleMania, they should have tried to film like as many episodes of raw and SmackDown as they possibly could. And just like get them all done in like a week or something and then send people home for two months or whatever. Um, because at this point, again, you're just, you're endangering your employees uh, health and your, you know, the crew and everyone involved, you're just putting, you're putting them all in danger. Um, and it's just a, not a good look. It's just not professional. It's not smart. It's just bad.
So that's that. That happened. <clears throat> that came about earlier this week, which I thought was just, again, laughable, but I just thought it was ridiculous. Um, all right. So now <clears throat> I see your question in the chat, Dad. Don't worry. Um, I was just waiting to get to because that's the main topic uh, for tonight. But so for those of you who are unaware, um, <clears throat> we're about to get, talk some WWE. So again, if you're not interested in WWE, then you can just tune out for a little while here. Um, but that being said, oh gosh, why is this so choppy? Hello? Oh my Lord. Um, sorry, hold on. I'm just trying to get this Twitter thing to work. Let's just go to one specific person. Let's just go to like Sean Ross Sapp. <clears throat> All right, I apologize here. So, I'm now focused over here again. Um, so, what is happening is WWE earlier today announced basically how they are having to make some big financial cuts. Um, to you know, stay afloat and keep business going um, for the audio listeners. I put air quotes around that um, because they're a billion-dollar company. But um, so essentially, they tweeted they tweeted that out like an article earlier today, uh, even this morning. I think it may have been, and it was just like talking about how some execs took pay cuts, um, some. You know, execs and people in like corporate were being furloughed. Um, some people were being laid off, but it was mostly just pay cuts and just like, you know, cutting wrestlers' expenses and stuff like that. Uh, just trying to cut corners and cut money wherever they could, um, which, you know, made sense. Um, and, you know, businesses have to stay afloat and do what they have to do to, to save money in this time. Uh, but then uh, they started cutting wrestlers and then they started cutting producers and then they started cutting writers and then they started cutting more wrestlers and more wrestlers and more wrestlers. Um, and I don't know what the total number is up to at this point, but um, let's see. Uh, does he not have like 
I'm trying to find the full list of people released. Well, maybe I just need to Google it then. You know the drill here. Sports Taco Swag, where we... Google things. All right. Um, Come on. This is so annoying. Just give me the full list. Oy vey. Oh my gosh, this is so obnoxious. Just give me... <laughs> Just someone give me a full list of everyone that's been released. This is so obnoxious. My apologies, everyone. Oh, thank you. I've been delivered fresh baked cookies from my lovely wife. All right, full list of WWE superstars released by the company today. All right, here we go, everyone. So this is the full list of... Is this just the wrestlers? Yes. All right. As of 5 p.m. Eastern time tonight... The list is Kurt Angle, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Drake Maverick, Mike Chioda, who's a referee, Heath Slater, Eric Young, Rowan, Sarah Logan, No Way Jose, Mike Canellas, Maria Canellas, EC3, um, Aiden English, Leo Rush, Primo Epico Rusev, Diana Parazzo, and Alexander. Um, now, first of all, that's a big list. Second of all, I just was on Twitter like 20 seconds ago and, um, apparently they are not done either with the releases and we're about to get another wave. And I believe more NXT talent will be included in this. Um, and bottom line is this is just like really, really sad. Um, because... It's a lot of people losing their jobs when they shouldn't be. What the heck? This is... Sorry. All right. Um, 
because at the end of the day, like I said, they're a billion dollar company. Um, and they have plenty of expenses and things that they can be cutting and reducing before just laying people off. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's the business decision they're choosing to make. Again, this is not a decision that they're being forced to make. Um, I think that needs to be made pretty clear here. Um, you know, they're not doing this so that they don't go bankrupt. They're doing this just so they can stay basically where they have been and just keep that profit margin up and stay at the same numbers they have been financially. Um, they're not doing this, you know, like a restaurant having to lay waiters off or chefs off because they need to be able to sustain themselves as a business. This is WWE choosing to first and foremost fire and lay people off um, so that everything else can basically stay the same. Now, you can think what you will about that, you know, because at the end of the day, that's a business decision that the executives made. Um, and some people will say that was the right move. Some people say this wrong move. I personally think it was the wrong move. Um, because there's so many other things they could have done first, um, you know, before putting people out of work right now. Um, especially when that line of work is one where you're consistently asking people to put their bodies on the line. Um, and be away from their families a majority of the year. Um, they're independent contractors, so they have to pay for all their own expenses. Um, they have to find their own health insurance. Like, none of that is covered by the company. Um, like, the WWE is already skimping out everywhere they possibly can on the wrestlers. Um, and to have them be doing that, you know, 300 days out of the year and then now just to be unceremoniously fired from that company and that business that you've put, you know, your entire life into is a huge bummer. Um, and a lot of really good people and a lot of really good worst wrestlers, um, you know, just lost their jobs today and it's really sad. Um, obviously it's very upsetting and angering just, you know, the business side of things with WWE choosing to do this um, but I'm trying to focus more on the wrestlers and just, you know, the fact that it's they're human beings too. And they, a lot of people just lost their jobs. And a lot of people in that business just lost their best friend, like their best friends just lost their jobs. Um, and, you know, people, you know, they're having to, you know, still support their families. It's a job. Um, you know, they all make you know, more money than most people watching or listening to this right now. That being said, though, um, you know, they're nowhere near in the echelon as any other athletes or sports, you know, people, um, you know, majority of them, I believe, are making in the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And then the, the top like 10-ish people in the company are making at most, I believe, $5 million a year, um, which, again, is a ton of money. But when you compare it to, you know, the NBA where people are making $30, $40, 50000000 million a year, it, it's not even close. But at the end of the day, they still, you know, have bills to pay, um, and they have a certain lifestyle that they've been afforded that now 
some of them, you know, are going to have to make some serious changes. And it, it's just, you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I feel bad for these people because they're humans and they lost their jobs. And I don't want to say, oh, boohoo, let's all feel bad for the millionaires. Um, but it's just, it's a shame when these people are the ones who are suffering when the people like Vince McMahon and the top executives who are making millions and millions and millions, if not billions of dollars, <clears throat> are just, their life is unchanged. Um, and they're at the position that they're at because of the people that they all, ju- that they just fired. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a real bummer. Uh, like I said, a lot of really talented folks were let go. Uh, a lot of surprising names in there. Um, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, the OC, I was shocked to see them go. They were literally just featured in a main event angle at WrestleMania, uh, two weeks ago. And now they're out of the company. Um, you know, you have Kurt Angle who, you know, was done wrestling in the company, but he was a legend who was, I believe had been producing backstage and he would make occasional appearances. Um, so I was surprised to see them let him go. Um, Rusev was another name that I was surprised to see. Um, Leo Rush, another guy who was just involved, um, and has been involved, uh, and Drake Maverick as well. Two guys in NXT in the cruiserweight division who were involved in main event angles uh, and and storylines that are now out of the company. Um, and then you have guys who've been with the company for years who are now out of jobs. You know, people like Heath Slater, Zach Ryder, who's been with the company for 15 years. I believe Heath Slater's been there for 14 years. Um, Lots of long-tenured guys who have withstood a lot of these other mass releases. Uh, I mean, nothing's been like this before. Um, but they're they're gone now. Kurt Hawkins is gone. Um, and like I said, a lot of producers is, are gone as well. So you have guys like uh, Fit Finley, who's been a producer and worked for this company for, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, and he was a big advocate for the women's division. Um, so that's a big big loss uh guys like shane helms um lance storm um i'm trying to think of who else i mean even you have like writers losing their job like the the woman who who wrote the otis and mandy storyline all leading up to wrestlemania she was fired um like i said referee mike kyota was released and he had been with the company since I believe 80, 1987. He had been with the WWE and he was released today. So you got people who had been there for, you know, their entire careers who got released. Um, so it's, it's a real bummer. It's really, really sad. Um, and it's a shame to see them go. And I believe some of the producers were furloughed. So, you know, they will still get their benefits um, with, WWE having the intent to bring them back once everything uh, kind of flattens out. Um, But outside of that, I don't, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of which, you know, if the WWE has like, you know, plans to bring these people back, um, you know, once everything kind of, like I said, flattens out and try to get a bunch of these people back in the company. Um, or if it's just, you know, that's it. 
and whenever their next contract is up that they sign with whatever company they go to next, they'll try to get them again. But um, just very sad, very sad day uh, for for professional wrestling. A lot of good people losing their jobs. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna take a quick cookie break. <clears throat> All right, we're back. Delicious cookie break. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just a really sad time right now for wrestling. I'm gonna go on Twitter here and see if there's any. We're gonna we're gonna go live here, live on the live episode. See if there's been any other releases so far. Um. Let's see. Um <clears throat> Doesn't look like anything has come to light in the past like 30 minutes. So it looks like. Yeah, looks like so far that's it <clears throat> in terms of cuts. Um, but supposedly there's more. Um, someone I follow on Twitter, Gary Cassidy. Um, he's a journalist. Um, he has a lot of sources in the WWE. Uh, he had tweeted about 25, 30 minutes ago saying that uh, more releases were on the way. So maybe later tonight we'll get word of what more releases there are. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to just keep harping on this one topic, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's really sad um, that these people are losing their jobs. And um, just when knowing that a company like the WWE could have done a lot of other things uh, to, you know, save the money that they did when, again, they're not even needing to save this money. It's just doing it so they can rem- keep the same profit margins that they've had. Uh, because the company's not going anywhere. They're not going to go under. They're not anywhere close to bankruptcy or running out of money. Like they have tons of cash and everything and assets that they need. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just. Part of me, you know, when this was all coming out, um, just made me think like, you know, the money that was just saved by releasing all of these wrestlers um, could have been saved by just 
not having Goldberg around this year, you know, because he was paid, I think, like $4 million for his appearances at the Saudi Arabia show and WrestleMania, where he beat The Fiend and then dropped the title to Strowman. In those two matches that lasted all five minutes combined, he made, I think, $4 million. Um, And I get that he's, you know, he's a big attraction and he got a lot of eyes on the product and people tuned in for that. But um, I don't know. It just, it, it frustrates me because someone like Goldberg at this point is someone that a lot of people don't want to see around anymore. Um, you know, they don't want to see Goldberg in the ring anymore. They just don't, unless it's, you know, what he did like at SummerSlam where he just speared Dolph Ziggler like Dolph Ziggler like eight times. Like, that's fine. Cool. I'll watch that. But like when he's beating the fiend for the universal title with in like an awful, awful match where he can barely lift the guy up and then drops the title to Strowman in less than two minutes doing he only doing one move four times and Strowman then doing one move four times. That's just not what I want to watch. That's not what I want to see. I'd rather see Luke Gowes and Carl Anderson and AJ Styles and Finn Balor, you know, have a Bullet Club reu- reunion. I'd rather see Sarah Logan get a main event push and like challenge someone for the title. I'd rather see EC3 get treated fairly and actually like he means something. I'd rather see Leo Rush doing the incredible things that he can in the ring with guys like Ricochet and Cedric Alexander uh, and, you know, Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo, you know, stuff like that. Like, I'd rather see those guys and girls do what they do and pay them than pay Goldberg $4 million to show up twice a year and do two moves for five minutes. Um, But that's all I'll say on, on that part of it because I know that there's a whole business aspect to it. And again, like I said, like he's a big attraction guys like him you know, guys like Cena and Lesnar and undertaker and edge. They, you know, they, they get a lot of money for the company. So I understand that business wise, it made more sense to, to, you know, let go of the lower level people, but it's just a real bummer and you know, you hate to see it. Um, but yeah, so that being said, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about WWE and their releases today. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, again, if you guys, excuse me, in the, uh, in the Facebook chat, if you have any questions or things you want to talk about, throw them in the chat. I'll happily address them, answer them, get to them. Um, and I'll just give it a, a you know, a little bit of time here before I move on to uh, to the next uh, you know portion of the show, being the Rainbow Wheel of Death. All right, are we good? All right, I think we're good. So we're gonna do a couple tier lists here to close out the episode, close out the night. Let's go like this, okay? <clears throat> and we're gonna go like this. All right, let's do, 
Hmm, any suggestions in the chat? <clears throat> oh, here we go. I like this one. NBA players under 25. I like that. I like that. Let's try this one out. All right, so we have tier one, two, three, four, and five. <clears throat> Ugh. This could get slightly embarrassing if I don't recognize them. Oh boy. All right, well. All right, starting us off, we have DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns. And he is just a classic right-in-the-middle kind of guy. He's got potential, but he's also got, like, an attitude, which is annoying. Um, and he's, you know, not a he's, – he's, he's still young, I guess I should say. He's still very young and immature. Um, but he's got potential. He could be, he could be good. Um, but – <clears throat> Wait a minute. How old is this list? Is this why are they saying Bradley Beal is under twenty five? <laughs> Unless I'm blind. Is that not Bradley Beal? There's not a chance he's under twenty five, dude. Is he? There's no way. He's 26. Okay. Wow, I'm older than him. Oh, that makes me feel good. So this list is just a little old. Um, all right, well, anyways, so I don't know who this is, man. I don't, I don't recognize that person, so I'm just going to leave him off. Carl Anthony Towns is definitely tier two. Um, <clears throat> he still has to really come into his own, I think, but like he knows what kind of player he is. He just has to continue to develop and fill into that. Um, definitely one of the better players on this list. Um, you know, he's already putting up great numbers, and I think, you know, if he continues on this trajectory, He'll be remembered as like a quality player, but he needs to start winning. Um, and that's the big issue of what keeps him from being in tier one is that he's made it to the playoffs once. And that was with the help of Jimmy Butler. Um, and he was a big reason of why they got to the playoffs. And even then they were bounced out in the first round uh, pretty, pretty easily. So yeah, he he's good. Like he's, he can put up like, you know, 25 and 12 every night easy um but until you really start winning you're not going to be like tier one you're not going to be like 
S tier. Um, and I'm going to put Brandon Ingram at tier three, but he's going to be like probably end up at the very top of tier three because he's basically just like what I said about Carl Anthony Towns, but like not quite there yet on the production side. I mean, this year, you know, being on the Pelicans and not being on the Lakers and being overshadowed by other people there is definitely helping him come to his own and show why he's so good. Um, but like, I mean, he is still really young, so that's a big thing too. I mean, they all are, they're all under 25, but I just think, well, I'm going to put him in tier two then. Cause that's something I need to keep in mind is these guys are all young. So they all still have to like come into their own and develop. Um, Colin Sexton is fine. I'll put him in tier three as well. He's more developed, I think, than DeAndre Ayton. Um, he's super quick. He's got good court vision, but I mean, it's hard to tell too because he's on the Cavs and that team is just doing nothing right now. Um, but he's fine. Kuzma, I think, is. <sighs> See, I would have said tier two, but like, he's not had a great year this year. Although he's kind of shown once they like get, when they give him minutes and like when he's like starting and he cares, he just needs to keep caring. So I'm going to put him tier two then because I think he's also, he's a quality player. At this point, I see him honestly being like a Scottie Pippen kind of player to someone um, where he's a great like, you know, secondary. He's a great second option. Um Quality defender, good rebounder, you know, just good all-around player. Has good court vision, um, good defender on the perimeter and down low. Um, he's got a good agility and speed for a guy like his size. Can shoot the ball pretty well. Um, but yeah, he doesn't. He he doesn't have like that natural like leader kind of feel. Um, I don't know who this is either embarrassing. Aaron Gordon is tier four. Listen, he's a great dunker. I think he's incredible. I think he's been robbed of multiple slam dunk championships, as I've talked about earlier on this show. Um, but as a player, he's like fine. Like he'll put up like 18 and nine, which is like good, but it's not great. And the magic are just, they're never going to go anywhere. Let's be honest. Um, until they get another like superstar and he's just he's not a superstar in my eyes. I think he's kind of just like he's fine. He's okay. Um but like he's I feel like he's already kind of developed into like the player that he's going to be. Um <clears throat> So who's next? Chris Stapps. Ugh. He's tier 2 and I hate it cuz I hate him. I think he's a piece of crap. I don't think he's a good person. Um, but he's a really good player when, especially when he's healthy. Um, and he has someone like Luca on his team to make him look really good. Um, that really helps. Um, Julius Randall, it pains me, but he's tier four as a Knicks fan. And just as a fan of his in general, I had really high hopes for him going into the season. And he has been like probably one of the worst things about this Knicks season. And the fact that they rely on him so heavily and he's just like not the guy. Um, so he's tier four with Aaron Gordon because he's like, I don't know, he's like shown that potential, which is why he's not tier five. And he's like had good spurts, but like 
he just can't, I don't know. It's just like, he just can't figure it out. I don't know what it is. Um, Capella. He's tier three, but he's going to be at the top. I might even end up moving him up to tier two. I'm not sure just because he's perfect in his role. And his role is defense, like rim protection and rebounding. Um, and, you know, he's never going to be relied on for offense. Um, he can be a bit of a liability in terms of like injuries. But um, when he stays healthy, he's very good. And again, in that role. Um, and that role, I think, is it's, it's hard to get above like tier three in my eyes, in my book. Um, but he's a good... Yeah, I don't know. It's hard because he's a good contributor because like you need that on a team to succeed. Bradley Beal is top of tier two for me, honestly, especially after the season he's had this year. Uh, I can't believe he was snubbed of being an all-star. Um, <clears throat> I feel awful that he's still in Washington. I think he needs to get out of there so badly. I don't know why he resigned there, or, you know, signed his extension. I thought that was a mistake. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, but that's where he is, and he's making the most of his situation. He's a really, really good scorer, and he's turning into a better all-around player too. Um, but yeah, really good scorer. Donovan Mitchell is tier three for me, honestly. I think he's overrated. A lot of people are like absolutely in love with him, but I just I I don't I don't buy into the superstar level that people see in him. Um I think he's good. You know, I think he's a good scorer. I think he's good, but he's not great. Um his outside shooting is not great. It could be a lot better. Um, and I just think like his defense is like fine. His court vision is fine. Like outside of just like taking a lot of shots and and putting up 20 a night. I don't know. I just, I don't think he's like, he hasn't shown any like leadership, um, with, for the jazz yet. And I think that's something that they're missing is like a, a, a team leader to kind of, you know, show them where, you know, to where to go, what to do kind of thing. Um, Steven Adams, I want to put him in tier two because I think he's basically just a better version of Clint Capella. But I feel like he's not there yet, though. Like, I just, well, I just feel like he's not quite there. So I'm going to put him in tier three, but he's at the top of tier three as well. Miles Turner is like bottom tier three because he's just not, he's just like a worse version of Adams and Capella, essentially. Um, Giannis is obviously top of tier one. I don't even have to say anything about him. He's Giannis. Laurie Markkanen, I'm putting him tier three above Donovan Mitchell because he's really talented and he hasn't even played that much, but he's shown a lot of potential. Good scorer, really good rebounder, good defender. He's got good court vision. He's 
gets, gets a lot of assists as well for a big guy. Um, I like him. I like his style, like his game. I think he can complement a lot of people very well. Again, don't think he's like a, a, a number one go-to guy, but a good second option. Jason Tatum is up in the top of Tier 2 as well with Bradley Beal. Um, again, just a really good all-around player. You know, everything you can want in a, in a player. I think he... What, in my book, what's keeping him from being in Tier 1 is that he doesn't seem like quite a leader yet. Uh, and again, I know I'm saying that a lot, but like there are players just like that come up and you immediately see that in them, you know, like people like Tim Duncan, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, um, you know, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, um, guys like that who show that like they're okay with like being in charge and they take it and they run with that, with that position. Jokic, ooh, I kind of want to. Mm, I want to put him in in tier one, but I'm going to put him in tier two because of the fact that like he just like doesn't care enough. I don't think. I think if he really cared and like wanted to be the absolute best and tried his hardest, I think he would be absolutely tier one, and I think he would be way better. But he's clearly shown, like, with his weight fluctuations, especially over the offseason this past year, that he just doesn't really care that much. Um, I think with his style of play, you can see that, like, you know, he is a, you know, a more laid-back player. I'm not saying that you have to have, like, the fire in your eyes like Russell Westbrook, you know. But if you put 100% effort every night, I think he would be a lot better. And I think that keeps him from being... Tier one in my books. You know what? I, I think this first guy here, I think this is Karis LeVert. And I'm going to assume that it's Karis LeVert. So I'm going to put him tier three because I really like what I saw last year in him. I mean, he's had some issues with injuries, which is unfortunate and is, you know, kind of a little bit of a bump on his resume, but shown a lot of promise in Brooklyn. Um, looked really good. Uh, could be a, a quality ball handler and, you know, playmaker in the NBA in the next few years. Um, Zach Levine, uh, overrated, overrated. He's going towards the bottom of Tier 3 because he's a good scorer because he's the only person who scores on the Bulls and he takes 20 shots a game. So, of course, you're going to average 25 points a game. Half of them are threes. So, yeah, of course, you're going to make a couple of those. Incredible dunker, yes. But, like, again, just, like, not a leader and someone who I think is kind of a, I don't know, I just get this entitled feeling from him. Like, he just thinks he's, like, deserving more. But it's like, nah, dude, like, you have the recognition that you deserve of, like, you're turning into a good scorer. But you're not a leader. You're not going to take. You've clear. You're clearly. You know. It's been proven, and shown that you're not going to take the bulls anywhere. Like you. You're not gonna. You know. Take over a game, um, or a team, and like bring them to the playoffs. Um. I don't know. I just think he's kind of overhyped, overrated a little bit. I'm just skipping over these people who I don't know who they are. I think this is 
I don't know. I'm not positive. Pascal, uh, I'm going to put him in tier one, and I'm probably going to get some flack for that, but I don't care because I like him so much, and I think he's really, really talented. He was most improved player last year, and I think he could have won it again this year and could win it again this year, and I've said that all season long, and I still believe it because the jump that he made from last year to this year is another level. He rose up again. You know, when they traded DeRozan away and they got Kawhi, he filled in great and really rose to the occasion, stepped up his game, was able to, you know, you know, he's obviously one of the best defenders in the league and both perimeter down low. Um, but then especially in the playoffs last year, really showed that he can light it up offensively as well and can be a really good scorer. And this entire season, he showed that as well. And I think he's been a really good, um, you know, first option for that team. Um, and I think he's really rising to the occasion and to the uh, opportunity there for him. So I'm really, really happy about that. Really happy for him. I think he's really good. Um, Lonzo Ball is another guy I'm just not very excited by. And I just, I think he's fine. So... I'm going to put him in tier three because he's like, I don't know. I just haven't seen enough from him yet. And he's so inconsistent. That's the big thing. Once he's consistently playing at a, a, a certain level, I'll be able to judge him better. But at this point, it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes he'll go like over 12 and get two assists and like look awful. And other times, you know, he'll, be lighting it up from downtown and get like 12 assists and make some really great passes and look incredible. So it's just hard to tell who he is at this point. It's just like when you're inconsistent like that, your team can't rely on you. Um, and unfortunately a team like the Pelicans is in a position where they need someone like him to be consistent if they want to succeed. Jalen Brown, I think is I'm having him tier two, but he stores the bottom. Um, but he, like Jason Tatum, I think is a good all-around player who has been overlooked sometimes, especially now that Jason Tatum's on the team um, and he's getting all like the media hype or whatever. But I think Jalen Brown has has lived up, um, you know, and he's he's a quality player. He's a good all-around player, and I'm excited for his future as well. I think if this core for the Celtics stays together, um, you know, him and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart if they're able to get another piece to kind of put them over the edge, um, you know, Kimball Walker is really good and they've looked really good this year. So that might be what it is that they needed. Um, but I think the loss of Al Horford is showing. And I think <clears throat> really since the big three disbanded and they lost, you know, Kevin Garnett, I think they've kind of just been lacking in that down low big man area. So if they're able to, if they would have been able to swoop up Anthony Davis this off season, um, this past off season, or if they're able to make a play for, I don't know, someone like Carl Anthony Downs or Clint Capella or um, who else? I'm trying to just look at people on this list that they may be able to go after. I don't know. Maybe even someone like Aaron Gordon, you know? Because um, they don't have to, that person doesn't have to do a lot. So maybe Aaron Gordon could be a good fit in Boston. Who knows? But I think they're just missing that extra piece. Sabonis. Sabonis is good. Not great. I'm going to put him at the top of tier three 
because he was an all-star and none of those other guys were. Um, actually, half the guys in Tier 2 that I have there weren't all-stars either. But Sabonis was. Because at the end of the day, he is a really good defender. Um, he's coming into his own in offense, too. Um, he He seems to fit well in Indiana, too. Seems like a good place for him, so... I don't know. Maybe I haven't watched him enough or not yet, but I just think he's not quite at that level. I mean, I, it's it's not his own fault either because it's just he's not a very flashy player. Um, Trey Young. Ugh. I was kind of dreading his name coming up because I think he's wildly overrated too. So it's my opinion. I'm putting him in tier three because I think he's... He's a good scorer. No one can deny that. You know, he's averaging like 30 points a game or something this season. He's literally like one of the worst defenders in the entire league, though. And like, you can't just overlook that and be like, yeah, but like, it's fine. Like, he makes up for an offense or something like that because I was like, no, that that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, um, he's not going to lead the Hawks anywhere. I mean, he hasn't done that team has done nothing the past two years. Um <clears throat> and they will continue to do nothing, you know, until someone is able to lead them. And, you know, I get it. They're a young team, like a lot of, like they're one of the youngest teams in the league, I'm pretty sure. But like, he just shoots the ball a lot, you know? He's like a Steph Curry, but like without the leadership or like that drive that just like gets them up above that hump, you know? I don't know. Maybe he could be like a Steph Curry if he was drafted into a position like that. But, you know, he's, his luck was that he got the Hawks. So, All right, I'm going to try to speed through a couple here. Um, D'Angelo Russell is Tier 3 for me. I think he was a little overrated, but he's still very good. Jamal Murray is... He's fine. He's kind of cooled off. I don't know. There was some hype about him last year, but I don't think he's that great. He's a decent scorer. Um, Embiid is tier one for me. He's really good. De'Aaron Fox is tier two for me, honestly. I'm very excited about him. I think he's really good, and I think he's going to go places. Um, he's you know one of the fastest players in the league one of the quickest players in the league. Um, and he's a, he's just a great point guard. Um, John Collins is tier three. A lot of these players are tier three because, I don't know, he has some exciting dunks and he's a fine rim protector, but I don't know. Just not a whole lot there. Ben Simmons is tier two, and I don't think he'll ever get above tier two. Um because he's a really solid like he's kind of like a Draymond Green but not quite as good a defender because like Charles Barkley always loves to joke with Draymond about Draymond Green getting triple singles you know getting like 7 points 7 rebounds 7 assists but like Ben Simmons is pretty much the same thing i mean he he'll score a little bit more um, so I guess that may be, you know, what makes him different than Draymond. Um, 
is that he'll average like 16 or 17 points a game as opposed to like nine. But again, it's usually going to be like 15 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, something like that. Um, so a quality player, but as we've seen in Philly, it's something that's just not working, whether it's him or Embiid or just them working together or one of them just not quite being the right piece. Something's not working there. And, um, you know, they got figured out. Gary Harris is like pretty much bottom tier three. Um, Devin Booker is tier two. He's a really good scorer, but he's kind of bottom tier two for me though, because again, he's someone who I think is just an overhyped scorer who it's like, cool. Yeah. Like you scored 71 points at like 20 years old, but you shot the ball like 40 times and your coach had your teammates intentionally fouling the other team just to keep time on the clock so you could score more points. Like, I don't care about that. That's not impressive. Anyone in the NBA can do that if they played it like that. And then Luca is tier one as well. And he's like right behind Giannis. Because I th- I thought for like the first half of the season that he was going to be the MVP in his second year because he's just that good. Um, he's an incredible scorer um, and he's really shown that this season uh but he also you know obviously he's a great um court vision he's a good leader he's shown that he can like lead that team and take them places um and i'm excited to see you know this fully kind of being luca's team as opposed to kind of it hanging on being dirk's team um and then the rest of those guys i don't know who they are so no one in tier five because i don't think any of these guys are just like bad i think they're all like decent at the very least. But the top top of the list right there is Giannis, Luca, Pascal, and Joel. I'd be fine moving Jokic up to there as well. But again, I just don't think he quite has the drive to get him up there in my book. And this is my book. So, nah, 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 nah. Um, but anyways, I think that's going to do it uh, for tonight. Um, not much else to cover here. Again, the big thing was just all the WWE, uh, releases, the superstar releases. Um, and then I just wanted to have a little fun there at the end with the tier list. Um, so yeah, so make sure you guys are following, um, the, uh, podcast on all the social medias. Twitter is STWS cast, Facebook and Instagram are sports talk with swag. Uh, make sure you follow that and like the Facebook page because, you know, we go live every, almost every week uh, with every new episode. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, um, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, any uh, Spotify, any, any podcasts uh, app or medium you can find this show. So make sure you listen to us there. Um, you can write an email to sportstalkerswag at gmail.com dot com, <laughs> dot com with any of your thoughts and opinions about the show or anything that I've talked about. Um, and yeah, outside of that, I want to thank you again for uh, checking the show out and, and listening to listening to the, the podcast. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. And uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.